Another week, another podcast. Let's get straight into it. Episode 74, Pushing Rubber Podcast. I'm Adam Pickett. I push the podcast in directions that it's never been pushed before. You listen because what else would you do with your monotonous and boring lives? Uh, It's a beautiful sunny day here in Holland and it's cold enough to freeze my balls off and it did when I went to the gym. That's all from me about my exciting life. It's been a big week here on the blog. It's been a big week uh, with uh, interesting stories, stock markets falling over, uh, you know, just, you know, Trump uh, this and Trump that. Uh, So I'm not going to talk about any of that. I'm not going to talk about that, any of that at all because that sort of stuff is just boring, isn't it? It's boring. It doesn't get your juices flowing. It doesn't get uh, the juice. You want the juice. You want a bit of juice uh, to flow. You want it to flow in directions that stimulate uh, the juices uh, to get more juicy. And so I'm going to lead right off. I'm going to lead right off in this episode, uh, which I haven't worked out how what to call yet, but I will once we get into it. Uh, I'm going to lead right off in this episode with, uh, well, it has to be breastfeeding yoga, doesn't it? It has to be breastfeeding yoga, which is now a thing. Um, if those of you aren't aware who didn't see my blog post on this yesterday, breastfeeding yoga is exactly what it sounds like. Um, I'm pretty sure, though, it's a women-only event in the sense of the person doing the yoga. As regards to the feeding of the breast, and in particular the nipple, that's, that's wide open. That's wide open. It could be a, it could be a little a young baby boy. It could be a young baby girl. It could be a grown woman. It could be a grown man. It could be a donkey for all we know. Maybe a hamster or a goldfish. I heard they suck pretty well. Uh, breastfeeding yoga is a thing uh, from from a woman, of course. <laughs> what else could it be? <sighs> Carly B Yoga on Instagram. Uh, it's linked to on my blog. It's actually a video. And if you play the video, I'm not gonna play it now. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm watching this now. We get a good view of the nipple. There's a great nipple shot. Uh, the kid uh, is quite uh, focused on uh, the nipple. And we have the woman Carly B Yoga is in a well, this is a pose here that's quite She's standing on her hands and has her foot coming over the back of her neck and hitting her her head. Uh, she doesn't keep. She keeps moving the pose around. Uh, I don't understand why she keeps moving the pose around like this. Because in yoga, you're supposed to hold your pose. Uh, it could be because she's not as expert on yoga. Uh, as she'd like to believe, maybe she's just uh, you know a bit of a beginner yoga practitioner. Uh, it could be that this particular day, she's just having an off day. And you get that in yoga. You get off days. You definitely get off days. It could be the fact that a kid's wrapped around a breast and sucking on a breast whilst she's attempting to do this. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'll leave it out there for, uh, for you to decide. You can... Watch this yourselves if you dare. But remember, you, there's a warning. Uh, some things once seen uh, cannot be unseen again. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at this now. Is Carly B Yoga... Uh, what would I get? I'd give her a six. She's definitely not fat. Uh, I, if anything, she's, she's, <laughs> she looks malnourished. <laughs> looks like... Either she's not eating enough or the kid's sucking on her way too much then then she can put it out there. Uh, But I wouldn't hit it. Definitely wouldn't hit it because you don't stick your dick in crazy, boys. Remember that. You don't stick your dick in crazy because if you do, you're looking at long-term pain. And the rule of what, what is Adam's rule of life? Short-term pain, long-term gain. Yes? Sticking a dick in crazy, of course, is the opposite of that. Now, uh, this post on Instagram that uh, Carly B. Yoga uh, has put up, she has some uh, written material with this. Uh, 
She has some written material, uh, and I'm going to read it out for you. I'm going to read it out for you, uh, and then we'll also read some of the comments uh, that are on this piece, um, and we'll have a bit of fun with this. Uh, it's not every day that I get a good length video of breastfeeding yoga, um, especially not on a day that I learn a new trick, how to tuck my foot behind my head in scorpion pose. Um, the video is only about 20 seconds long, so I'm assuming that uh, what happens afterwards is she falls on the, over on, onto the kid. <laughs> Maybe that. Uh, I just want to say one thing as a former yoga practitioner, poses aren't tricks. You know, you're, not in a, you're not in a circus, apparently. Or maybe if you, unless, well, yoga is not about being on, on a circus. Unless, of course, you video yourself uh, practicing yoga while your 18th month old child uh, breastfeeds off you at, at the same time. In, in that in that regards, yes, yes, Carly, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. It is a trick. Going on with the comment. She definitely doesn't make it easy. Uh, I'm assuming that Carly is referring to uh, the baby girl sucking on her nipple whilst she does this uh, trick. She wants to explore the world and figure out how things work. That's a real shame, isn't it? That's a real shame that the young girl wants to explore the world and figure out how things work because she obviously has a mother who is clinically insane. So getting her to work, show her how things work is uh, unfortunately... Uh, well, it's, you know, I mean, this is, this, this is real child abuse, isn't it? I mean, this is on the internet. People can download this. This, this young girl, when she's 16 and doing a hot, and she's, I mean, this, this sort of stuff gets out. This stuff gets out there. And I'll tell you what gets out there. It turned out to get out there. Because uh, it's just so easy for it. I mean, come on, it gets out there. This woman has a son by the look of it. Uh, I've got a, an, another, the... The Instagram post before the breast sucking vid is her um, with her son doing yoga. They are doing a yoga pose together, the scorpion pose by the look of it. The kid looks about 10 or 11, maybe 12. No, maybe about 12. Young boy. Um, and... Her caption for this is uh, Love Heart, My Very First Love, Love Heart. Shame about the father. You'd hope that the father would be a very first love, um, but obviously not. And of course, the father is nowhere to be seen in all of this, probably because he fled a house of insanity. Can you blame him? Um, uh, yes. Thing is, twelve-year-old boys go to school, um, and it's not—it's not hard for, for kids at school to do one plus one equals your mother's a fucking crackpot. Uh, which leads me back to eighteen-month-old baby sister sucking on breast in public like this. Um, it really is—it really is the pits, isn't it? It really is the pits. Uh, by the way, mother has a tattoo. Big tattoo on her arm and, and one on her foot, on her ankle. I don't know whether that uh, is a surprise to anybody. Anyway, uh, she, uh, by the way, I missed a bit. In our stage of nursing right now, we are at it all day. Probably why she looks so malnourished. Uh, she wants to explore the world and figure out how things work, but she needs a boob to tug, hug, and plug while she soaks it all in. Mm. Mm. As as look as we all do. I you know I'm, I'm I gotta say I'm still exploring. The age of forty six, I'm still exploring the world. Uh, 
I'm still taking things in, like for example, what I've just seen on this. Um, and I've got to be honest, I would like a, I would like as well to have a boob to tug, hug, and plug uh, while I soak uh, this all in. Um, where's the good wife? <clears throat> She's not here. Oh well. Uh, let's keep going. I'm always here to support her. You wonder, you wonder who's getting the support here, don't you? You do wonder who's getting the support here. In this dynamic, in this dynamic, is it the 18-month-old kid who's just looking around bored while sucking on a tit? Or is it the attention whore who's taken it to level 11 on the decibility scale, decibel scale, uh, who needs the attention? I'd, uh, I'm going to just leave that one hanging. I'm going to leave that hanging like a sucked-on boob. An upside-down sucked-on boob. <laughs> this 18 months has been a wonderful bonding experience with her. Oh, oh, and for all of us as well. <laughs> for the entire fucking world with an internet connection. As I sit here to write this, she is content next to me, stroking my arm while I breathe through my passing thoughts. What does that even mean? Who sits there saying this and then puts it on the internet? Look, look, this level of insanity, this level of, of desperate grasping for attention and meaning in one's existence is a direct result of organised religion going to the pot. Uh, this woman is desperate for any confirmation of herself as being herself as a soul. And since she hasn't got that, she's turning inward on this and she's making her own existence a religious experience. Uh, this is what is known, I would say, as chronic nar narcissism. And I don't need to be a clinical psychologist to be able to throw that one out there. I'm going to read that bit again. It's just so epic. As I sit here to write this, she is content next to me, stroking my arm while I breathe through my passing thoughts. It's also not every day that we are so in sync as this. Today is a special day, though. We got to see an historical super blue blood moon eclipse as a family. And during that, I was blessed with blood of my own. I wonder. I bet. I bet she didn't wear a tampon either. I bet. I bet she was wearing white tracksuit leggings. I am so honoured because it only happens once a month. Everyone had energy today, and we all felt drawn to connect that energy. I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go that way. I don't even want to know what that one means. We washed ourselves in moonlight and sunlight today. I celebrated the skin I'm in, the body of a creatrix, and the heart seeds of children I birthed through the joining of two worlds. We celebrated us in capital letters. The body of a creatrix. She's, she's, she's deifying her own existence. She is proclaiming herself as some minor goddess. It is, I really feel for a son here. I really do. This is real. I mean, this is, this is hysterically funny on, on, on a superficial level. But it is hysterically tragic on many other levels. Comments. She's got... Seven over seven hundred comments on this. I wonder why. You are so amazing. I've never seen anything like this before. You don't say. And it's so incredible. You are such an inspiration. Although I'm only 18 and don't plan on being a mother anytime soon, I definitely know what I'm going to do in raising my children while keeping myself and my energies clear and clean. You know what the thing is. 
The thing is that people who go around saying that their energies are in sync with the moon and the sun and that they're a creatrix and that their heart seeds of children are breathing through their passing thoughts are the people who get cancer at 44. Every fucking time. It's hysterical, isn't it? And then, of course, they'll do a Steve Jobs and or a uh, Bob Marley and they'll, well, they won't, they won't do any. I won't, I won't go to medical science. Medical science. Science is only good for you know, global warming. The rest of it. Oh, no, no, no. We need to. Uh, she'll be going to a druid circle outside Epping or something like that. <sighs> uh, oh. Oh, I've come across a comment here that's, that insinuates that Daddy's still around. I'm glad you and at 88R Jones will be taking a very natural approach to parenthood. There's a link there. It's Reese Jones. There he is. Private account. Uh, I'd have my account private too if uh, my wife was doing, or my partner was doing this. Um, I wonder how he feels about her proclaiming that her son is a first true love. Is he just uh, a convenient sperm donor at this point? Uh, I'd hazard that he is. Um, what is actually quite amusing on the on the comments? I've gone through quite a lot of these. I've gone through quite a lot of these, and there's a lot of argument. Um, and the you might be thinking you might <laughs> you might be thinking that the argument is about maybe breastfeeding yoga in and of itself is not a great idea, let alone sticking it on internet you might be thinking to yourselves that that would be the topical source of the r uh, comments the over the several hundred comments uh on this instagram post and you'd be wrong you'd be wrong the vast majority of comments that i've trawled through and i had to scrub my eyes out with ajax at the end of it but the vast majority of comments that I've trawled through are about whether 18 months is still a reasonable age to breastfeed. Which is kind of missing the bigger point here, isn't it? When you think about it. Um, I don't know, maybe this is going to become a thing. Because she's she's been contacted by there's a there's a I did it on my uh, post I took a snapshot of it. Uh, she has been contacted by a media representative or a representative who sells stuff to media. My name is Katie Jill. I'm a reporter for Caters News Agency. We work with the lights of the Ellen Show, Inside Edition, USA Today Show, Right This Minute, Daily Planet, Doctors, and National Geographic. It'd be great to work together on publishing a story in this video of the. Doctor turning your little beautiful video. I don't know what that means. Uh, so if you could drop me an email and it got Katie Gill at katernews.com and a phone number, plus four four. That's the United Kingdom. So I don't know. My United Kingdom news agency selling all this stuff to American networks. Plus four four one two one six one six double one double oh. Give her a call. Give her a call. She stuck it out there on the internet, didn't she? Um, now, you've got to wonder, uh, a story on it, The Ellen Show, uh, USA Today Show, um, do you think they get her to go on and do a live demonstration on The Ellen Show of breastfeeding yoga? I mean... To me, there's no way, seriously, there's no way that this could ever be conceivably considered. Uh, but craziness is now, is now well, they're trying desperately to make it the new normal. Everyone's trying desperately to make it the new normal. Um, so her going live on Ellen is probably completely in line 
um, with everything that that type of show stands for. And I'm sh- I'm sure that uh, she'll be she'll be characterised and described as an empowered woman. Empowered, breastfeeding while doing yoga and sticking on the internet is not uh, exploiting your children for your own narcissistic uh, gain. It's empowering for some reason. Everything women do does. Everything that women do is empowering. It's all empowering, you know. It's all empowering because because why? Well, you know, uh, uh, women believe in having it all, having it all, love, success, sex, money. They, you deserve women. You deserve to have it all. It's not solipsistic. It's not selfish in any way, shape, or form. You don't have to make compromises in your lives. Uh, you don't have to be responsible for the consequences of your actions. Uh, you can just go and breastfeed yoga in public. Maybe she does this down the park. Maybe she does this down the park. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's a real interesting clash, isn't it? You know, the real interesting clash of of progressive lunacy. And this is lunacy. It's insanity. Progressive insanity, uh, which is breastfeeding yoga in the park, and at the same time, because imported by the same lunatics are other lunatics of the Islamic variety. Because you've got to wonder what your average Islamic family reaction would be uh, to a spectacle such as this being performed in Central Park. Um, I get the feeling that um, things wouldn't go down too well. It'd probably go down like uh, AIDS in a gay bar or something like that. Uh, so it's interesting. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Breastfeeding yoga, people. Uh, tell me what you think. You know, maybe you're taken by it. Maybe, fuck. Maybe she'll open up. Uh, maybe she'll open up some um, some uh, breastfeeding yoga clinics. Breastfeeding yoga clinics. From uh, one breast to many others, uh, some other big news this week was the fact that the uh, US corporate conglomerate who purchased the rights to Formula One last year have now come out uh, before the start of the 28th Formula One season to declare that uh, grid girls, and for those of you who are not aware of what grid girls are, grid girls are in general... Uh, very hot women who were employed for their looks and charm, femininity uh, and grace to hold a number and an, uh, next to a, uh, a driver, a pilot, a pilota, as they call them in Italian, uh, and an umbrella over his head to keep the sun off or the rain off uh, if, that's, uh, if that's causing him bother. Uh, that's the, their official duties. What their unofficial duties, of course, is lost to mysteries in the, in the midst of time, but I'll wager it's got something to do with wearing knee pads. Anyway, uh, always been a big fan of grid girls for obvious reasons. They're beautiful. They're beautiful, and, and it was... Uh, I, I've, I've got to say, thinking about this, because I wrote about this uh, last Friday, but thinking about this over the last few days, got to say that grid girls are a fantastic example of equal opportunity and providing employment for women where in reality uh, no employment is really uh, warranted. Um, We're not getting women race car drivers, no matter how many silly Danica Patricks there are. Um... And you won't have a female Formula One race. If look, if you the day that there's a female Formula One race uh, race driver, is the day that F1 finally jumps the shark. And look, F1's close. They've got uh, they've got cars that literally don't make a sound. The last F1 race I went to was uh, Melbourne Park two years ago, and you could we. A bunch of us there were quite. I was a very big Formula One fan back in the day. I was. Uh, a driving member of the uh, Mark Webber Forum. Uh, we used to get on there. We I wasted a lot of time on that forum. Uh, made some good mates on that forum and met quite a few of them in real life when I moved from Italy uh, back to Australia and into Melbourne and, and got to see a few of the Grand Prix in their company, which was a very uh, uh, wonderful and um, privileged 
thing to do because they've been some of the a couple of these guys have been buying the same tickets for over twenty years. So I mean, they had the dibs on those tickets, which were fantastic seats right at turn one in one of the main stands there. Uh, so you got the straight comes down, and then all the cars turn, and that's where you're almost guaranteed to have some sort of pile up. And so I did, did see Massa go off there. Uh, straight into the wall, uh, which was wonderful. Got a wonderful cheer, wonderful cheer when little Massa, driving for Williams, went straight off into the gravel, bounce, 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 gravel flying everywhere, and Kabuka into the padded wall uh, to demonstrate, just once again, how fucking useless Philippe Massa has always been. Um, And, uh, you know, wonderful, wonderful stuff. So, but, you know, we went to about, I think I went to three Australian Grand Prix in a row. Uh, and these were the three years. This was, I think this was like 2014, 2015, 2016, I think were the years that I went. And you could track the impact of the regulations trying to make Formula One environmentally friendly. Uh, disdain and scorn dripping from my voice, and and it was basically the sound of the engines. And in twenty fourteen, the first year that I went to the Australian Grand Prix, and I'd been to Grand Prix in Europe before that. Uh, I've been to Monza a few times. Um, now, I think I went, last time I went to Monza was 2009 or 2010. And let me tell you, it was loud. It was loud. You, you felt the cars, the noise of the, the sound of the cars in your chest. A lot of people sitting there with headphones, earphones, you know, the big headphones sort of thing, earplugs, that sort of stuff. And yeah, they had a point. These things were fucking loud. It was great. It was really animalistic. You know, when you're a kid, when you're a kid, a little kid, and you're a little tyke, and you're sitting on your little little bike there, three-wheeler, yeah, you're four years old, you're sitting on your three-wheeler bike, you got your pedals, you can race around. The first thing you do is you stick your hand, your right hand if you're Australian, because uh, that's where the accelerator is. Uh, you stick your right hand there on the grip, and you twist it a few times, and you go vroom, vroom, vroom. And you go vroom, vroom, vroom because it's an animalistic expression. Vroom, vroom, vroom. From young children, we get off on it. Kids will be sitting there with their matchbox toys, playing them back and forth, just holding the toy and back and forth, but they'll make noises, they'll make noises, they'll make sounds. It's, a, it's an experience that is audible visual tactile and you feel it you feel it like a you feel it like uh i felt uh bass guitar in uh, the pink floyd concert i saw in 1987 it, it, it went the bass guitar went through my chest the sound of the bass guitar went through my chest reverberated through my chest as if by being speared by a javelin and it's the same with formula one cars and it's and it's a huge reason for the, the fact that traditionally a couple of hundred thousand people would turn up to watch these things go around paying an awful lot of money to do so in the process. Now, 2014 in Melbourne was a bit of a disappointment. It was pretty loud, but you could hear birds. When the, when the cars weren't going past you, and there was a little bit of a gap in the visual spectacle as such, you could hear birds chirping around you and that that's because the the engines are traditionally so loud the engines don't roar they howl they howl like demented banshees as if well what i imagine demented banshees would howl like and even when they're not they're not in front of you there could be all of them are on the other side of the all of them could be two or three kilometers away on the other side of the fucking track you still can barely hear yourself talk from the sound of 20 of these monsters uh, revving their guts up to 10 or 12,000 RPM uh, back when real manufacturers were making these uh, engines like uh, Coswell. Was it Coswell? Was it Coswell? Who used to make the engines? The Formula 1 engines. They were fantastic company. Anyway. Um, started with C. Cos something. Cosworth? Was it Cosworth? 
the last real engine manufacturer in Formula One. Um, and so 2014, uh, you could hear the birds chirping when the cars weren't in front of you. That was disappointing. 2015, I took along the good wife, and she wasn't that impressed. She was like, nah. And she'd been the... She had worked. I have to... I have to confess now that the good wife, yeah, early on in her life, uh, did actually work as a grid girl in uh, motor GP or motor, motorcycle events in Europe. So she knows a thing or two about loud noises at motor events. And 2015 uh, Australian Formula One Grand Prix in Melbourne, the good wife was unimpressed. And it really brought it home to me because, you know, you, you try and keep your enthusiasm up there. You've been a fan for so long, big fan. Uh, you know all the ins and outs of the cars. Uh, you know, you know all the ins and outs of the drivers, you know, which drivers, who's shagging who, you know, about the grid girls and the drivers, that sort of thing. You know what's going on. So you've invested a lot of time and energy in them. You have an emotional attachment. Uh, so when the good wife comes along and turns you and goes, oh, it's pretty shit, isn't it? That's, uh, that's a bit of a bubble bursting. So I went the next year, the good wife refused to go, or declined to go. Uh, and this time, the last time that I've been to a Formula One Grand Prix in 2016, Albert Park, Melbourne, Australia, uh, you could hear birds chirping, and I'm not kidding here. I'm not. This is not an exaggeration uh, because we all commented on it. Uh, I brought it up, and then everyone. Once you brought bring something up like this, the people sitting around you can't ignore it anymore. Uh, we heard the birds chirping while the cars were going past. While the cars were going past, um, which is uh, which is not really that dynamic, is it? When you think about it, when you consider all the factors at play here, uh, hearing birds chirp while the four one go cars go past, it's a little disappointing. So now, two years later, in the twenty eighteen season. We have Formula One's new American owners, owners ditching the grid girls effective immediately. Effective immediately. So uh, grid girls who are all set to go in uh, Australia have been told that their services are no longer required um, because, quoting, it's not in line with our brand. If grid girls aren't in line with the Formula One brand and engines that make more noise than a dead parrot uh, uh, or make less noise than a dead parrot, I should say, aren't in line with their brand, uh, oh, and ugly fucking cars. I mean, really, these cars. Look back at Formula One cars in the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. Beautiful cars. You'd be proud to own one of those cars. Curves, yeah? Um, now the Formula One cars, really, they're just, they're just these straight things with random shit stuck on them at weird angles. Like, uh, like a kit... Like a kid, a 10-year-old kid had an Airfix kit uh, to make a, uh, a model aeroplane, a Spitfire or a Hurricane or something good like that. And he stuck bits on randomly onto the fuselage instead of, you know, at weird angles. That's what, that's what the cars look like today. Yeah? That's what the cars look like today. They don't, you'll probably, Airfix probably isn't putting out... Uh, uh, any Formula One kit cars to build because really you could just take any kit. You could take a uh, you could take a Spitfire, you could take a uh, you could take a Tiger tank, uh, you could take uh, the Bismarck, and as long as you get the the central body right, uh, you can just stick bits on at random and you'll be pretty much close, uh, pretty much close to what a uh, current Formula One car looks like. I'd wager. Um, so you won't you won't see anyone any Formula One cars from Airfix Hobbies models at this point. Uh, so Greek girls ditched. Uh, you wonder what you're going to be watching um, at Albert Park. Um, cars are ugly. Uh, the grid girls are non-existent, literally, 
and you can hear yourself, you can hear the guy reciting Wordsworth poetry next to you as the car goes past. You'd think they'd be just trying. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be thinking they're trying to destroy their brand on purpose. Look, look, Vox Day is quite good at uh, jumping in when other other companies uh, are self imploding in this way. Like he's got into comics because Marvel and DC Comics have gone full SJW, and you never go full SJW. Um, he's set up Info Galactic, which is your Wikipedia uh, spin-off because Wikipedia is full SJW. And once again, never go full SJW. Uh, he, uh, I don't know what else he's done. publishing company, obviously, which was science fiction fantasy to start off with, but uh, he's branching out in all different areas um, because publishing in general has gone full SJW. And once again, you never go full SJW. So now we've got Formula One ditching the grid girls. I mean, not in line with their brand. What is in line um, with the Formula One brand, do you think, now? Uh, will it be women in burkas? Maybe. I mean, because the James Hunts of the world wouldn't uh, wouldn't be um, uh, you know that really uh, welcome. I'm supposing. Um, uh, of course, uh, feminists all over the world, women all over the world who write for you know magazines and that sort of thing uh, have rejoiced. We have Wendy Tui at the um, Herald Sun, which is a is a is a is a conservative right leaning newspaper in Melbourne. Um, um, the global dumping of grid girls at Formula One events finally brings the sport more into line with how women expect to be regarded as equals, not ornamental eye candy. No matter how F1 spinners dressed up the whole grid girls thing, the tradition of including young women as a sexy sides dish to the serious men's business of car racing was uh, demeaning. Uh, the new American owners of F1 have shown they want to protect the sport's relevance by dumping a feature of it that had nothing to do with skill and everything to do with objectification. Um, the thing about this... Um, uh, the thing about this is that um, the women, the women who are collectively rejoicing for this decision, uh, the same the same chicks uh, who were, let's just say, the catty bitches at school, if they weren't included. Uh, in the cheerleading squad. I mean, cheerleaders have nothing to do, really, when you think about it, with uh, with football, do they? I mean, gridiron football cheerleaders. What, what, what do they do out there? They cheer, do they cheer on the team? Well, the team's going to do what the team's going to do. I mean, what sort of excuse would that be from Tom Brady if it's like, oh, yeah, I got sacked, but uh, the cheerleaders weren't... Look, I was listening to the halftime cheerleading uh, display. I was watching it, and I really felt the girls' hearts weren't uh, in it as fully. I, I didn't feel the energy there. I didn't feel the enthusiasm. And, well, I just couldn't. I, just, I think it really affected my play in the third quarter. It's not really a thing, is it? You know, the cheerleaders are there because it's entertainment, boys and girls. I mean, what this uh, what this woman uh, doesn't understand, what we understand, is that uh, uh, a sports relevant sports really uh, don't have that much to do with skill either. Um, you can't really say that driving a modern Formula One car is really that skillful. Um, they've made them they've made they've made the driver now I mean even t- uh, 10 years ago the cars were you know absolute beasts and yeah you, you had to you, and I and I read a lot of stuff about Formula One a lot of stuff and you'd, you'd read it you read guys they'd be like you know they they they'd made their way up they'd been going through all of the of the Formula 3 and all of the, the bits that were all the, all the open seat racing um, leading up to Formula One, and then the first time they stepped in a Formula One car, of how much how much of a step up it was, literally, how much of a beast it was, and how much 
just getting that car wrestling, wrestling that car around the track. Uh, left them exhausted, uh, terrified, shitting their pants. I mean, it was it was an absolute event when you, when you had interviews with F1 drivers and they described <laughs> what was it the first time I got in an F1 car. Universal, universal. I think the only only one uh, that uh, I can remember not being that impressed was Michael Schumacher, and um, and he of course was officially a robot. Um, I'm expecting them to wheel him out pretty soon when Stephen Hawking dies to take over that role. Um, but today you, uh, you listen to these. I mean, first of all, the they're they're they a bunch of seventeen year olds. Starting with uh, the first one was um, the horrible German. Um, the bright tries for I can't, so I can't remember the names of the drivers now. I can't, this is I was a big Formula One fan. I was a big Formula One. Sebastian Vettel, that's it. Sebastian Vettel, little Seb, little Seb, as he was known. Seventeen years of age, seventeen years of age, throwing these cars around, and like the the boys. You look at the men. You look at the men that used to race Formula One back in the sixties and seventies. These were guys. These were guys with some backbone. These were guys with some muscle tone to them. Uh, these were guys with some strength. Uh, these were guys who you could sit down and have an arm wrestle with, and you know they were, you'd put the money on them. They weren't you know little little seventeen year old Seb Vets. I tell you this right now. And Seb Vet was about ten years ago when he first started, I suppose, or eight years ago. And you can go now. The kids getting in these things, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I'm driving a Formula One car." There's the Dutch guy driving for Red Bull. I think there was a thing with him when he first. What did you think? Oh, yeah, it's very easy. <gasps> really, very easy. I, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, big challenge. Yeah, big challenge. Yeah, 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 very big challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck off. It's uh, it's not what it was, you know. And this is part of the spectacle, you know. Uh, strong men, brave men. Uh, wrestling dangerous machines uh, around tracks at speeds which are beyond silly, uh, doing stuff that mere mortals cannot do. Look, if look, ten years ago, if you said to me, Adam, we're going to give you a chance to have a drive in a Formula One car, but you have to push it to its limit, uh, I would have been very, very, very worried indeed. Uh, I would have asked for a lot of training leading up to it. Uh, you know, you, you kill yourself with these bloody things. Today, if someone said to me, Adam, do you want to go drive in a Formula One car? We'll give you an hour beforehand. We'll show you where the on and off button is, you know, where to plug in your iPhone, uh, you know, how you can get a cup of coffee while you're driving around. I'll be fine with that, really. I'll be fine. I'm saying just to any Formula One team now, I'm 46 years of age. I've never driven a race car in my life. Uh, I'll be perfectly happy to get into your miserable, ugly excuses for racing cars because they are just the absolute pits. They're absolute pits, and it's why we're not watching anymore. We're not watching anymore because it's turned to shit. And now you want to take off. There's no spectacle. There's no spectacle at all. And I tell you what, grid girls were part of the spectacle. Okay, you say it's demeaning. This woman says it's demeaning, demeaning to women uh, to be a sexy side dish, uh, that this is demeaning. Do you think it's demeaning to men that they had to jump into cars and drive around and risk dying in a fireball? That's pretty demeaning, isn't it? When you think about it. Oh, you want to be a race car driver in 1968. Oh, you want to be a race car driver. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Well, uh, you're going to have to risk dying in a fireball on a regular basis, like every weekend. It's pretty demeaning, isn't it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway, the uh, grid girls aren't impressed. Uh, the grid girls aren't impressed. Um, here's some quotes uh, off uh, Twitter from Grid Girls. I'm confused. Um, oh, we've got we've got a photo on the left of Grid Girls who look who look. By the way, um, they're wearing far more clothing than what you see at the average feminist rally. Just to just to put it out there. And on the right, we have some women in black burkas, the full hijab things. Yeah. I'm confused. One of these images is an affront to women's equality. The other is a symbol of a woman's right to wear what she wants, but which one? 
That's a good point. Uh, the job has also been a stepping stone into the, into the industry with women, including four women, including Jennifer Hawkins and Kylie Clark, starting out as grid girls. Don't forget the good wife. Uh, we got grid girls. Feminism now costing women their jobs. Uh, wake me up when all this crazy political correctness blows over and pass me the lycra. I loved being a grid girl. Good girl. Lucy Stokes, I love my job. I'm respected, paid well, and proud to represent the team I'm working for. It's not for any, not right for anyone, let alone feminists, to judge our job when, quite frankly, they're putting so many women out of work. Where is the equality and empowerment here? Well, well, Lucy Stokes, very attractive blonde uh, young lady. Uh, I just want to say that you're absolutely right. I agree with everything uh, you say, but you have to understand that feminists um, are not about putting women in jobs, okay? Your job as a woman is uh, really means nothing to your average feminist when they need uh, their virtue signaling uh, their progressive idealism and more to the point, their one-upmanship because feminists and leftists always have, they can never arrive at, you know, the, okay, yeah, it's all equal now. No, the battle's never finished, uh, which means they always have to one-up each other. So, like the woman who did the tweet, that was some some science professor did a speech, made a, a little joke, offhand joke to a private audience in Tokyo, gets off the plane, uh, some uh, crazy feminist bitch finds out about it, goes on a Twitter rampage, and when the guy's plan lay, lands, he's basically out of a job. I mean, this this stuff, that, that, that feminist, that's, that's on her CV. I've no doubt that that's on her CV. That is literally work experience. Not work experience. That is literally like uh, when I was CEO of Company X, I used to go, this is, this is what they do. So they always have to one-up themselves. So whatever feminists are able to put on their, directly on their feminist resume of getting grid girls cancelled, that is a source of pride. You have to understand Lucy Stokes and all the women out there listening uh, who are not, who are not, crazy feminists, but who buy into the feminist jargon when it suits them. You play, listen, you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. You're going to get burnt. Feminism would lose credibility very, very quickly, but it requires two things to happen. Number one, it requires men to stop being weak and stand up and tell uh, feminists to go fuck themselves and never explain themselves or say sorry for being a man. Number two, and this is even, this is just as important, it requires ordinary women to tell feminists to go fuck themselves even when, and especially when, what feminists advocate benefit those women at the time whether directly or indirectly. It doesn't count to tell feminists to fuck off when you've lost your job as a grid girl. It counts to tell feminists to fuck off on something like, uh, well, something that, something that they're, they're doing that you like the sound of, like, like diversity hiring quotas, for example, yeah? So women, if you really want to, it's, it's nice. I'm really happy that Lucy, Lucy Stokes, for instance, has got up here and she said, you know, this isn't right. Where's the equality and empowerment here? But the whole point is the empowerment thing is what is wrong. It's the empowerment thing, Lucy, that what is wrong. Gaining unfair, unfair advantage because of your biological sex. This is what is wrong. This is unfair. So when something happens to you, Lucy, that's unfair, that the feminists have done that doesn't go your way, now you know how the men feel. Now you know how men feel when they apply for a job and they're told, well, they don't even get it. They don't have the best resume of all, but they're not even going to get an interview. Not even get an interview because the company has decided that they need diversity quotas and they need to get more chicks in the job, not because the chicks are any good, but just because they need to show off a set of tits in the workplace. And you know what that is really when you think about it? That's actually worse 
than what this other woman's complaining about, uh, which is that uh, it was demeaning to women to be a grid girl. It wasn't demeaning to women to be a grid girl because there is a actual demand for grid girls. It's demeaning to women to be given a job when they've got no business doing that job, but they've only got it because they're a chick. That's demeaning. So look, I'm really happy on one on one hand, I'm very happy with the Lucy Stokes and the Sophie Wrights. And we've got Lauren Jade here. Oh, she's all right. Uh, Lauren Jade and all the rest of it um, complaining about this. But it really counts, ladies, if you complain about the feminist bullshit when it benefits you. Women started doing that. If women started doing that, and if men stopped being so weak, we'd uh, we'd lose this. We'd lose this overnight. It'd lose all credibility because the the percentage of the population is so small. But I, how many? When I was in Australia, when I was in Australia, how many women? And I'm talking upper middle class women who 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 compared compared to their direct ancestors of only a couple of generations ago, yeah, like in the 1940s or the 1950s, that's what I won't even mention the 1930s, have lives that, those there, that their grandmothers could only have dreamed of, declare themselves to be feminists. How many times did I hear that in Melbourne, inner city Melbourne, from these Turak wives, these South Yarra wives, proclaiming their feminism and how they are feminists, which, which, which basically meant, uh, well, it's just basically a load of hypocritical bullshit. So look, Lucy Stokes, yes, I get that it's not fair that you love your job and that you want to be a grid girl and that feminists have no place. But the fact is that I'm pretty sure that you've benefited from their equality and empowerment uh, at other points in your life, and you haven't said anything about it, have you? Really? You haven't said anything about it at all? Uh, a nice set of tits is all well and good, and you can use them as much as you want um, until the femos decide what's, uh, what's acceptable today and what's not acceptable tomorrow. So that's the real takeout that we should take away from this. Shoutouts, Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary sponsors this blog. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and he's had a couple of good pieces on in the last few days. Um, he's, uh, he's, well, if you're not familiar with Aaron, go to captaincapitalism.blogspot. Uh, whatever your country is, dot com. Uh, he, uh, he writes articles uh, based on basically economics, but also. Uh, well, yeah, everything, everything economics, but what a man needs to hear. Um, and he believes in slapping you around the face with a, a wet rubber chicken filled with lead. He's got a bunch of books out, which you ne need to get check out. Uh, I'm going to be doing a review of Aaron's book, uh, Poor Richard's Retirement, uh, in the next month or so. I've got to do a review of uh, Roller Tomasi's uh, Rational Male uh, Parenting book. I got to review that. I got to do a review of Vox Day's uh, SJW new SJW book, and I've got to do a review of Jordan Peterson's book. But I'm also going to be doing a review um, of Poor Richard's Retirement. So um, uh, listen to that soon. If you want, you can search my name and then search uh, Curse of the High IQ uh, and do a search on a reconnaissance man, Adam Pickett, reconnaissance man, Adam Pickett, Curse of the High IQ, and you'll come up with. Uh, reviews I've done for those books of Cappies to give you an idea of what his books are like. Uh, he's got some good articles this week. Um, uh, Why are sports fans such idiots? That was a that was an excellent read. Uh, you want the stock market to crash? Very good video and another very good link, which I'm going to be linking to this week as well. I think. Um, and he has uh, videos this week. Well, the stock market one was great, and I wrote about that. Um, he's also got up today, Justin Trudeau is the world's biggest pussy, which is, uh, which is some, some, some tall ask because there's a lot of competition for that. Um, a lot of co competition. Um, so check out Aaron Clary, 
and everything that he does and uh, you won't be disappointed and he's a great supporter of uh, this blog which I really appreciate um, also uh, I need to do a shout out this week uh, I'm I'm launching a new podcast uh, it's coming up next week in exactly one week's time on Valentine's Day I'm going to launch the podcast on Valentine's Day and it's called the well, I'm not going to say what's called because I don't know, don't know if my partner in crime has locked out the website for it yet. But I'm doing this in conjunction with the great one himself from the Civil uh, Cynical Libertarian Society. Um, and this is going to be a monthly podcast that the two of us do and a bit more scripted than the off-the-cuff po- podcasts that I do every week. Uh, so that'll be coming out next week on valentine's day we thought the valentine's day was a uh, most suitable day to launch uh the podcast so um keep an eye out for that next week i'm sure you'll like it and that'll be coming out my other podcast next week there'll be two podcasts from me my normal weekly one and the monthly one uh we're going to start off monthly uh just because you know what we want to see how it goes we want to see combining uh uh, how easy it is to hook this up and all the rest of it. Uh, and uh, that's going to come up next week, so I'd definitely like some feedback from that from you when that does. Um, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to uh, SoundCloud. You can also click through to my blog there on the top right and subscribe to my blog. I post every day, uh, at least once a day, sometimes more than that. In-depth articles and all the rest of it. Lots of fun. Um, if you uh, If you want a good read, um oh i had a uh i had oh, i'll finish this off i need to re- reply to this guy i've been really bad at replying to emails this week um i had an email this week uh let me just let me just put this in here let me just put this in here for you um I had a, uh, I had a, um, an email this week um, titled, um, I enjoy reading again, exclamation mark. Greetings, Adam. Discovered you from good old Captain Capitalism. Devoured both of your books in a weekend and now I'm looking for more. I haven't read a book cover to cover in quite some time, so it was mighty refreshing. Uh, could you steer me towards any books that received two thumbs up from yourself? Just finished Bachelor Plaid Economics, so that's out which is one of Aaron's books. What a great review. Thank you very much. That's from Hendrix. Thank you very much, Hendrix. Um, I've been thinking. Uh, so look, my two books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, uh, A Journey to Manhood via Whitewater Adventures, and Run Guts Pull Cones, a uh, Whitewater Adventure, a Whitewater Season in the Italian Alps. You can get those through Amazon Book Depository. If you're in Australia, I recommend them getting them from either Book Depository or go down to your local bookshop uh, if you want a dead tree copy and order it through your bookshop. It takes about five days in Australia. If you do it through Amazon, you can be waiting like two months. So go get yourself a dead tree copy uh, in Australia from your local bookshop. Um, now, uh, I've got another review. I've got another one here as well. I have to post this up. Uh, this is from uh, Star. I, this has just come in now, actually. Um, after completing your book, Run Guts, Pull Cones this evening, I've decided to up my weed intake, return to my amphetamine-laden days of old, and remarry my ex-German wife. None of this is true, of course, but I laughed out loud and enjoyed your trials with guides and bosses and generally had a great time reading this book. The best part of this book was you uh, when you were taking charge and cleaning up psychological messes. I come from stubborn old German Volk, and I seem to shine when there is a problem to be fixed, now that I have some years under my belt. The problem is it doesn't get you laid. <laughs> Very true. Everybody's happy the trial is over, but you are now the villain who saved everyone from the villain. Ah, well, humans are humans. I bought two copies of your book. I expect a blunt in the mail uh, and told my buddy we could swap stories after reading your fun adventure. He's still on page three. I'm sending him a copy of this note to shame him into getting started. Once he's up and running, he'll be hammering on my door with the same funny collections in his screed. Thank you, kind sir. Had an enjoyable time. Maybe I'll read your other book. Uh, that's from Star. Uh, what a fantastic uh, review I'll have to post that up on the blog um, 
There you go. Look, there you go, guys. You've got to get my books. Get out, get the books. Pushing Rubber Downhill, Run Guts Book Homes. They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun, but as you saw there and what he said, there's also underlying messages uh, in the books. And um, and I could do with selling some more. I mean, they're selling every week. You know, I sell books. I sell books continuously. I check every day. They're staying there. Uh, for a self-published, unknown author, first-time author, it's, uh, it's, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, the great one was uh, actually pestering me yesterday. What's going on with the third book? Um, it's going. Is it coming soon? I don't know. It's going. I'm having issues with it. Um, but uh, I want to get it right. But uh, maybe I'm too focused on getting it right. Maybe I should just you know get it down. But anyway, uh, this has been the Push and Rubber podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed chatting to you. Uh, but now it's lunchtime. Uh, don't go changing. Uh, be nice to your grandmothers. And I'll see you next week. Ciao.